Amen. Here we are. Glory to God. Okay, so we're going to go into, I want to talk about failure is not final. And uh, can you find the, the one that says John Mark? It's number three. John Mark, slide. I don't know what number it is. I should have got that for you. I'm sorry. But a couple weeks ago, I was teaching on this, and it's ended up, it's going to probably be four, four weeks. The first week, we talked about the prophet Elijah. Okay? The prophet Elijah had a lot of failures, but he had a lot of victories. But his failures, some of his failures came after he had victories. You guys ever have that? You have a, a victory, and then a failure comes, and then you feel like dirt. Anybody ever felt like dirt serving the Lord? Just a couple of you? Are you was it good dirt, or was it, you know... I mean, was it like sandy soil or clay or peat moss? Was it good stuff or was it just, you just felt like trash? Okay, trash. So you have this victory and then suddenly you make a mistake or you let your emotions kick in. You let things happen. And so Elijah had seen fire fall from heaven, lick up a sacrifice, lick up and destroy rocks and, and consume water. This fire from heaven did everything. took the sacrifice. 850 prophets of Baal were destroyed. 850 false prophets were destroyed. And um, he's the one that said to the king, he said, I'll tell you what, it's not going to rain until I say it rains. I mean, that's the way this guy was walking with the Lord. And so he's the one that went to the widow's house and said she had enough food for uh, a cake, one more cake, a couple pancakes, right? For her son and her, they were going to eat it and they were going to die. And he had the audacity to say, give it to me first. Now, today that would be hate speech. We could burn down half of Vandalia because the preacher asked for the pancake first. But she obeyed and gave to the man of God And the Lord then, for the rest of her life, continually filled her cruise of oil and her flour every day. She had plenty the rest of her life. So Elijah's walking in all this power. So after the 850 prophets of Baal, then the word comes from the mean queen, Jezebel. Jezebel. And she said, I want you to tell that crazy preacher, you tell that prophet that what he did to my prophets... I'm going to do to him by this time tomorrow. And he ran for his life. He was scared. Okay? Now, I don't know about you, but there are certain women that I have come across in my lifetime that there are a few I'm scared of. There are a few that scare me to death, and she was probably one of those. But she had an attitude. So he goes on the run. Long story short, he ends up sitting under a juniper tree asking to die. Just let me die, Lord. I just want to die. And the Lord says, get up, Elijah. You know, you heard that the Lord, there there was an earthquake, there was a fire, there was a whirlwind, and the Lord wasn't in any of those, but he was in a still, small voice. And while Elijah was depressed and Elijah was, was down in the dumps, the Lord fed him with ravens coming, with meat in their beaks and given to him. The Lord, it was a famine in the land, but there was still a brook by the brook of Cherith. He sat by the brook and drank. The Lord gave him all of this provision. See, when you're at your weakest, the Lord's still going to take care of you. 
when you think that you can't make another step, the Lord's still going to help you through. Okay? We are actually harder on ourselves than the Lord is on us. I don't know if you heard that or not. We're harder on ourselves than the Lord is on us. The Bible says that the Lord pities his children. He pities us. He knows that we're dealing with our emotions. He knows we're dealing with our weaknesses. And long story short, the Lord says, Elijah, there's still 7,000 in the valley that have not bowed a knee to me. And the Lord restored him. The second one that we talked about, that was the second one. The first one we talked about was King David. And King David made all kinds of mistakes. King David committed adultery. King David uh, conspired and counted the people when he wasn't supposed to. He disobeyed the Lord. King David did all sorts of things wrong. But if you look in the the book of Acts, they describe David as what? A man after God's own heart because David knew how to repent and praise. Keep that in mind, guys, gals, ladies and gentlemen. Keep that in mind. If you know how to repent and praise, that'll bring you through these trials. That'll bring you through failures. God wants you to be strong. I don't know if any of you, you guys still make mistakes, or are you guys pretty well perfect now? I mean, I haven't seen you in two, two weeks. Perfect? Pretty well perfect? No? Far from it. Oh, man. I thought when I got back here, you guys would be, like, levitating, and, you know, some of you have harps playing, you know, being the angel band or whatever. We all make mistakes. We all have problems. We all have weaknesses. But if you know how to repent and you know how to praise, God's going to help you through this. God's going to help you restore yourself. Okay? Listen, I know what it's like to walk into church and I've sinned and I feel like I feel like a slug. I feel like toe jam. You know how toe jam feels? Hot and sweaty. Kind of, kind of, kind of falling apart. And so you get in the presence of the Lord, and the Lord is all around, and you're, and the devil's like, you know, the Lord's not going to forgive you. The Lord's not going to forgive you. And you ask for forgiveness. Lord, help me not to do that again. The Lord's not going to forgive you. How, look, look how easy. And this is what the devil says while you're repenting. He says, you did all that, and all you're going to say is, Lord, forgive me, help me not do it again, and you think the Lord's going to forgive you? Are you crazy? But he's telling you that because the Lord is crazy, and he will forgive us. Because he loves us that much. The Lord loves us that much. So David did all of this, but yet even through his failures, his failure was not final. So tonight I want to talk about a guy named John Mark. Okay? Does anybody know about John Mark? Anybody ever heard about John Mark? Apparently he was from the South because he had two names, John Mark. Okay? And so, John Mark... He is found in the book of Acts, all right? He's found in the book of Acts, and his family was very important in the early church, okay? His, his family had some prominence in the early church in Jerusalem, and so while Peter was miraculously released from prison, 
He knows that the believers will be gathered at the home of John Mark's family. Acts chapter 12, 11 through 13. So it says this, And when Peter was come to himself, he said, Now I know of a surety that the Lord has sent his angel, and hath delivered me out of the hand of Herod and from all the expectation of the people of the Jews. And when he had considered the thing, he came to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose surname was Mark, where many were gathered together praying. And as Peter knocked at the door of the gate, a damsel came to hearken named Rhoda. Okay? So, due to this, his family's significance in the movement and relationship to Barnabas and Paul, Barnabas and Paul pick up John Mark on the way back from a missions trip to Jerusalem, and they decide to take him with them to Antioch. So John Mark is in this early church movement here. Now, if you read the book of Acts... The early church will be described as the way, okay, the way. In the scriptures, it actually talks about the way, because this church was exploding all over Jerusalem. I mean, people were getting the Holy Ghost, people were getting baptized. They didn't have great big buildings to seat 10,000 or 20,000, but this was happening in homes, it was happening on the Sabbath day in the synagogues, it was happening out in the groves and in the fields. It was happening everywhere. The Lord was pouring out his spirit everywhere. And so John Mark has caught the attention of Barnabas and Paul, and they decide to take him to Antioch, Acts chapter 12, verse 25. And Barnabas and Saul returned from Jerusalem when they had fulfilled their ministry and took with them John, whose surname was Mark. So now John Mark is finding himself as a young man. He is in the midst of some pretty heavy hitters. Okay, he's in the midst of some pretty heavy hitters. The problem is that these heavy hitters, hitters each have different personalities. The personality of Barnabas, Barnabas means, uh, I believe, son of consolation. Okay, you've ever heard like some churches will have what's called a Barnabas ministry. It's a ministry where they do good deeds and they help people in need and they do all this stuff. And then you have Paul who is an atomic warhead, okay? He is cut and dry. He's very hard. He's very stoic. He's very to the point. And so John Mark finds himself with like Felix and Oscar. You remember Felix and Oscar? The odd couple? Some of you do. I'm dating myself. All right, so he's in the middle of these two guys. From there, Paul and Barnabas are sent to Cyprus. It says Cyrus, so it should say Cyprus. Bringing John, Mark, along with them as an assistant. So that's Acts chapter 13. And now they were, there were in the church that was at Antioch certain prophets and teachers as Barnabas and Simeon that had call, called Niger and Lucius of Cyrene and Menean, which had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch and Saul. As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Ghost said, Separate me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work whereunto I have called them. And when they had fasted and prayed, they laid hands on them and sent them away. Okay, so they, being sent forth by the Holy Ghost, departed unto Seleucia, and from thence they sailed to Cyprus. And when they were at Salamis... They preached the word of God in the synagogue of the Jews, and they had also John to their minister. So John is with them. 
and they're preaching in the synagogue. Now, the synagogue is the local church in the Jewish uh, culture. It is the place where on the Sabbath day they go, they read the scriptures, they hear a sermon, they sing hymns. Basically what we do here, all right? We sing hymns, we read the scriptures, we do a sermon. Now remember, this happened on the Sabbath day. Sabbath day begins at 6 p.m. on Friday night and goes to 6 p.m. on Saturday night in Jewish land. That's the Sabbath. So here they find themselves in the synagogue in Cyprus, and John Mark is with them. Now, somewhere along the way, John decides he can't take this. He's had enough. He might have been homesick. Okay? Anybody ever been homesick? You been homesick? Homesick is tough. Okay? So I remember, I remember Ginger and Amy Lynn, my two nieces there on, on, for my brother's families. Amy Lynn was a year older than Ginger. Now, Ginger would go anywhere. She, she never got homesick. Amy Lynn was a different story. Okay? So Amy Lynn, she would, she'd say she's going to come spend the night with you, but then right before she had to go to bed, this is what she'd say. Uh, I, I need to call my daddy and tell him good night. When she said that, my mom said, Tracy, put your shoes on, get the car keys, because you're going to take her home. I said, no, are you kidding me? Oh, yeah, she's going to call her dad. So this, she'd get on the phone, she'd say, Daddy, I miss you so bad. <laughs> are you kidding me? Okay, so Amy Lynn is going home. So I don't know if, and so we just packed her up and, and sent them, yeah. So... There was one other time my mom and dad had came out here to visit, and then we were going to go into Maryland in like a week or ten days, and the kids wanted to go, Mitchell and Megan. We didn't have the other. We might have had Marcus, maybe. He might have been a baby. So they left early one morning, and I was, I got up, and I was working at the house, and I'm working on the computer, and I hear car doors. I hear a car pull in the driveway, like at 8.30, and I hear car doors slamming, and I'm like, who in the world is here? And I look out the window, and it's my mom and dad. And I'm like, well, what are you doing here? Well, it's my dad. Well, the kids woke up, and they started crying because they don't know if they can go that long without seeing you guys. And this is my dad. You know, my, and I know what it's like. I was homesick when I was a kid, and I didn't like it. So they were all the way to like Casey. He said, I just turned around in the middle of the interstate and, and brought him back. Okay, well, good seeing you. We'll see you in a couple weeks, and we'll bring the kids with us. So John Mark maybe got homesick, but he said, I've had enough. So after sailing to Perga, Acts tells us, matter-of-factly, that John left them there, and returned to Jerusalem. And this is in verse 13. So essentially, he quit when the going got rough. So I don't know what had happened. You know, I don't know. Uh, if, if you traveled with Paul, the problem is you could end up in prison. You could end up in a jail for a while if you traveled with Paul. You know, Paul wrote half the New Testament. Everybody knows that, right? There's 20, 27 books in the New Testament, 
and I believe that he wrote 14 of the 27, which he just, over 50% of them was written by Paul. He wrote some of these letters, these books, while he was in prison. Okay? So he's writing while he's in prison. He's writing books. So apparently it got pretty tough, and John Mark says, I want to go see my mom. Daddy, I love you so much, Amy Lynn. I just miss you so bad. Now, yeah, get the car warmed up. Acts chapter 13, verse 13 says, Now Paul and those with him left Paphos by ship for Pamphylia, landing at the port town of Pergia. There John Mark left them and returned to Jerusalem. So John Mark, when he got to port, he found out which boat was going back to Jerusalem, and that's where he got in line with his ticket. He is going to desert these guys. He's in the midst of all of this ministry, and he's going to desert these guys. So we don't know why John Mark abandoned them, but we know that it wasn't honorable. So what Barnabas later suggested Paul. Now see Barnabas. Here's Barnabas. Barnabas has the real smooth, real soft personality, and he says, he suggested Paul, let's take John Mark with us. And Paul said, no way. You want him? You can have him. And you know what God likes about you? God likes your personality. God likes your temperament. Okay? He wired you like this. So if you have a temperament that is, however your temperament is, that's God gave you that temperament. Now, I know, I know this because, okay, Amy and I have four kids. They ate the same water. They ate the same food, drank the same water. Right? They lived in the same house, same rules. And they're all different. Sister Sylvia's got seven kids. Are they all different? She's going, yeah. Yeah. Have you noticed this, Carlita? Brothers. And they're totally different. Why? Because God gives us temperament and personality. Now, with your temperament, don't just go crazy and go out here and party and say, praise God, I was born to be wild. Pastor said that's my temperament and God loves it, so I'm going to go out here and just party. No, just pull back for a minute. Take a breath. What I'm saying is each temperament, each personality has strengths and it has weaknesses. It has good things and it has bad things. Okay? So what God wants us to do is through our life, is let life begin and through his spirit work off the nasty hard stuff in our temperaments, in our personalities, and those weaknesses, get rid of those, and then our strengths will begin to get stronger. Does that make sense? Everybody knows that you have, you, you do good things and you do bad things. Just because that's what you know. Yeah. Okay? And so God wants you to strengthen your strengths and get rid of your weaknesses, get rid of those bad parts of your personality and temperament. So Paul says, no. Paul has no, no mercy for, for John Mark. He said, Barnabas, if you want him, you can have him, but I don't have time. And that's what eventually happened then. But there's going to be a change here, okay? Something's going to happen. Okay, something's happened. Hang on. So there's a strong disagreement. There's a strong disagreement that comes up between Barnabas and Paul, okay? 
so strong over John Mark that these two ministries that work together are now separating. These two ministries are now separating over one guy. Paul says, I think we need to take John Mark with us. Paul says, no, we're not taking him with us. Now, I don't know if John Mark is sitting there listening to him fight, listening to him disagree, or what's happening. But he says, okay, what we're going to do is we're going to separate. If you want to take John Mark, we're just going to we're just going to go our separate ways. And that's what they did. These two men who had been on multiple mission trips together are so divided over young John Mark that they will no longer work together, Acts chapter 15. And some days after Paul said unto Barnabas, let us go again and visit our brother, brethren in every city where we have preached the word of the Lord and see how they do. And Barnabas determined to take with them John, whose surname was Mark. But Paul thought no good, not good, to take him with them, who departed from them from Pamphylia and went not with them to the work. So Paul said, I'm leaving, I'm going this way. You guys can have John Mark. Was that wrong? Two ministries that were together now became two separate ministries. So you can reach twice as many. And the Lord said, okay, it's fine. We can do it that way. Their disagreement was so sharp that they separated. Barnabas took John Mark with him and sailed to Cyprus. Paul chose, how about this guy, Silas. You ever heard of Paul and Silas? Now, if Silas would have known Paul's reputation, and he would have ended up, I'm going to end up in a Philippian jail. I'm going to end up with my back beat. I'm going to end up with stripes on my back. I'm going to end up locked up in Philippi, which is northern Greece. I'm going to be locked up there. I don't know if he'd have went or not. But Silas, he's all excited. He, wrote, he writes his mom or goes home, running home. Mom, I'm going with Apostle Paul. We're going to be on a mission there. We're going to take a missions trip. Oh, boy. And then they did. So... Paul chose Silas, and the believers sent them off, entrusting them to the Lord's grace. So they traveled throughout Syria and Cecilia, Cilicia, Cilicia, to strengthen the churches there. Okay, so that's what they did. They separated. Barnabas takes John Mark. Many years later, when Paul is sitting in prison, awaiting trial, he writes a letter to the church at Colossae. Now, remember this. Every book in the New Testament, okay, in the section called the epistles, for instance, you have Romans, you have Corinthians, you have Thessalonians, you have Ephesians, you have Colossians, you have Philippians, right? Am I doing all right? You got all these books. What are they? They are letters written by Paul back to these churches. Now, so Paul is writing a letter. He's sitting in prison. He's sitting in prison, and he writes a letter to the church at Colossae, which is the Colossians, okay? He not only tells them that John Mark is with him, see? Now, John Mark is back with him again. And he's been a great comfort. But he also tells them that they're to welcome John Mark if he shows up. Now, John Mark deserted Paul. John Mark left Paul out to dry. 
John Mark, in Paul's eyes, was probably just soft. He can't handle this. He gets seasick. You know, we can't take him with us. We'll spend all of our time trying to help him through. He's going to be missing his mom. He's not going to have Instagram. Half the places we don't go don't have Wi-Fi. He's not going to be able to have any Snapchat. He's not going to be able to be on Facebook. He is just not going to be profitable to us. He's just going to pull us down. Something happened that Paul is now saying, John Mark has been a great comfort to us, and if he shows up at your place in Colossae, welcome him. This guy had failures. But Paul is now saying, welcome him. See, failure is not final. God's not done with you until you take your last breath. And then we can go further than that. God's not done with you until God is not done with you. Does that make sense? God is not done with you until God is not done with you. Why are you saying that, Pastor? Because I'm saying, let's think about, let's think about the guy named Elisha that had been promised twice as many miracles as Elijah. Okay? Elisha, you know the story, I hope? Elisha dies one sh miracle short. He dies one miracle short. They take his body. They're having the funeral procession here, you know. They take his body. They put it in the, the tomb. They cover it over. It's, it's like a sepulcher deal. Years later, now Elisha's been dead. He did not get to double miracles. Elisha's dead, and everybody's pretty well forgot about, well, you know, he didn't get his double miracles. What happened, Lord? You said he was going to get his double miracles. There's a war. There's a war between Israel and their enemies, and the, the, this guy is killed in battle. And so they've got to get rid of this body before the opposing army comes, and they take the body of this guy that was killed, and they bury him in the closest sepulcher that they find, which is the sepulcher of Elijah, Elisha. Right? You know the story? And then what happens? When they throw the man's body into the sepulcher and the man's corpse hits the bones of the old prophet, the man is resurrected and comes back to life. Boom, there is the double portion. So God is not done with you until God is done with you even in death. So your failures that you do, the devil says you can't live for God or you, God's not going to use you because you messed up. The devil's a liar. I was watching a video last night of a guy named Mario Murillo. Anybody know, know Mario Murillo? Okay. He's an end-time prophet guy. And he was saying this. He said, he said, November, he said, get ready because November is going to be crazy. No, it's, it's getting crazy already. Hey, did you ever think that 2020 was... Do you remember when 2020 was normal? Like January 1st. We were all excited because, yeah. And in, in, in 10 weeks, it went crazy. I mean, so we've got a pandemic going on. We got flu virus. We got a virus thing going on. We have lockdowns going on. You know, I have people calling me that say, please do not give my name to the health department. I said, what do you mean? 
I've been locked down for four weeks already. Are you kidding? I'm going to give you everybody's name to them. Everybody's getting their names. I'm, going, I'm just going to open up my phone and go, I got all your phone numbers, and I'm going to say this one and this one and this one, because if I got to get locked down, so do you. No, I'm not teasing. And take that out of the video tonight. Um, so it's like this guy says this. He said, take your dreams back down off the shelf. Because, and, and the promises that God has given you. Because you don't say, well, this won't ever happen because of the pandemic. When God promised you what he was going to do with your life, God wasn't worried about the pandemic. The pandemic didn't take God by surprise. God said, this is going to happen. No, whether there's a pandemic, whether a Supreme Court justice dies 45 days before the election, and the Republicans are in charge, and the Democrats are losing their minds. Because this is going to flip the court. This one is going to flip the court. Even if the Chief Justice Roberts votes with the liberal side, this is going to flip the court. Yeah. God, he gave you the promises in spite of all the failures that come into our lives. So we look and say, well, that's what never happened. Because, you know, I'm on quarantine. I refer to it as quarantine. C-O-R-N hyphen T-E-E-N, quarantine. Okay? I'm from the farm. Quarantine. I'm locked down. And you think, you know, those of you who get stuff done during lockdown, great, awesome. I haven't hardly got nothing done. It seems like the more you do, the more... It's like, you know, moving sand. The more you move sand, the more it falls. It just keeps falling. But anyway, so God gave you promises in spite of pandemics. God didn't say, oh my, oh my, what I promised to Emily won't happen now because there's a pandemic. Oh my, no. God doesn't think like that. Nothing bothers God. God is not taken by surprise by anything. And you should be taken by surprise because failure is not final. When you mess up, God's still got a plan. When you mess up and I mess up, God still has, God doesn't change the the, the destiny. God doesn't change the plan for us. God is still calling us to do what he's called us to do and what he's promised to do. Failure is not final. So this kid that had sorely, whoa, Praise God. This kid that had sorely, yeah, boy, wow. Oh, yes, I'm afraid to hit any more buttons. Are you moving it? Okay. This kid that had sorely disappointed Paul. Now, the last time I was here, the last time I preached to this lustrous crowd, that watermark kept popping up, pro presenter. And I'm like, wow. That's intense. This kid that had sorely disappointed Paul had now become a man who brought comfort to him. At one time, John Mark's personality caused division in the body, but now Paul is proudly calling him a fellow worker. Colossians 4, 10. He says, Aristarchus. Now listen, if any of you ladies are going to have any more babies, there's a good baby name for you, a Bible name, Aristarchus. Okay. Aristarchus. 
who was in prison with me, sends you his greeting, and so does Mark, Barnabas's cousin. Oh, maybe that's why Barnabas was a little bit, they were cousins. And as you were instructed before, make Mark welcome if he comes your way. Jesus, the one who called, who, who's called Justice, also sends his greetings. These are the only Jewish Christians among my co-workers. They are working with me here for the kingdom of God, and what a comfort they have been. Okay, so Paul is giving them the who's who about all this. So, I'm going to end tonight. It's almost over. I know you can't believe it. It's only 8.05. That high fever must have done something a couple weeks ago. Okay. Here's the principle to learn tonight. We all develop gradually. Okay? Every day is a process. You remember Daniel in the lion's den? How many times did Daniel go to the lion's den? It's not a trick question. One time. Daniel spent one night of his whole life in the lion's den. But what did Daniel do to get in the lion's den? Daniel prayed. He prayed three times a day. He would go. He would pray in the morning. He'd open up his window that faced to Jeru- toward Jerusalem. Now, he is hundreds and hundreds of miles away from Jerusalem. But he would pray toward Jerusalem. At lunchtime, he would come home from work, and when he prayed, he would open up the same window and pray toward Jerusalem. At night, before he went to sleep, in the evening, he would open up that window and pray the third time that day toward Jerusalem. And that got him in trouble because they tricked him by putting a law together that no one is supposed to pray to any other god except for, I believe maybe it was Nebuchadnezzar. Okay? So, Daniel gradually prayed morning, noon, and night. Every day. He prayed on Monday. He prayed on Tuesday. prayed on Wednesday. He got up and he went to work and served in the, in the cabinet of a foreign government. He just got up and went to work every day. He just lived his life and concentrated on his relationship with his God until finally what he's the most famous for, the lion's den, came about in his life. That was his destiny. That was his calling. But it was a gradual process. We all develop gradually. All right? I don't know. I don't think the Lord is done with me. Okay? I think he has more for me. I haven't got there yet, but each day I take steps toward that. I don't know what it is. I haven't identified it. Sister Sylvia, you came in this at 61 years old, right? Now, you're a little older now. We're not going to throw any numbers out for the Internet to get a hold of and do anything with. But each day the Lord is building in your life. And in that 61 years prior to your spiritual birth, the Lord was still laying foundation that you still are built on today. Each day of our life is not a waste. Each day of your life is not a waste. Each Tuesday morning, you know, Tuesday mornings are so awesome, aren't they? How many of you like Tuesday mornings? 
Do you like Tuesday better than Monday morning? Oh, you got to wake up early. Josiah, you've got, that's just the Lord building this in you. Tuesday mornings, you got to wake up early. Maybe Thursday mornings, you got to wake up early. What, is, what, am, what am I saying? I'm saying every day the Lord is building to that destiny in your life. And yeah, on some Tuesday mornings, there's going to be epic failure. Maybe on a Thursday afternoon, there's going to be epic failure. Maybe you're going to say the wrong thing to the wrong person, and you knew you shouldn't, but you did anyway. And it's going to mess you up. But no, remember, God still has a plan. Failure is not final. And so we develop gradually. Failure isn't always a sign that we can't cut it. Sometimes we're trying to operate at a level that we're not mature enough yet to handle. Okay? Anybody ever snow skiing here? You like snow skiing? Snow skiing is a lot of work. Okay? The first time that when you, so Carlita, when you went out there to snow ski, were you all excited and you were just, the first time, before you did it, you're going up on the hill, you're going to, this is going to be fun. It's going to be awesome. No? What was it? Oh, the lift? Yeah, the lifts. Yeah? The lifts are hard. My, my first night of skiing, did you ever do a rope toe? A rope toe is the big rope. Yes, I know who your husband is. To the top. Oh, Lord. Okay. All right. So I wasn't married to your husband, I had, but I had a bunch of junior high friends that said, we're going to go up to the top. Are you going to go? And he, So here I am on a rope toe, okay? Now, a rope toe is a big old rope, and it's on a pulley, this end, and there's a pulley way up the hill. Now, this is just on the gradual slope. And what you do is you get your skis in the track of the snow, and you grab a hold of this rope. And as the rope is going through here, you gradually you firm up your grip until the rope grabs and pulls you along, right? If I could moonwalk, I would, right? The thing is, you've got to have gloves that are not slick because if they're slick, the rope, you cannot grab a hold of the rope. The rope burns up your gloves. Oh, boy, now they have a magnetic belt. You just get on and go, all right? So here I am on this rope toe, with slick gloves, and I get about part way up. Now, you got to keep your balance. You kind of got to squat down. If not, you just fall over. So here I, I fell over. Here's the problem with that. There's people behind you that are still hanging on, and they ski right over top of you. And if you don't get out of the way, okay? So the first time I went snow skiing, I was on the rope toe for a good hour, hour and a half, all my friends left me, right? That's what, those are the good friends. And so when they finally come back a couple hours later, I had went down the, the beginner slope once. And they said, why don't you just go with us? We're going to go to the top of the hill. Just, we'll go in the chairlift. And we'll just, okay, all right. So they got me over to the chairlift. Now, the chairlift, it, it swings around, and you've got to kind of be watching, but you've got to have everything out of the way because what that baby's going to do is it's going to go like this. 
hook you up and off you go to the races. And if you're not, if you're too far out this way, when you go to sit down, you're going to be on the end, and that chairlift's going to throw you face forward down the ramp. Yeah. 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 So I got on the I got on the chairlift. But here's the deal. You got to get off the chairlift. And if you don't get off in time, and the chairlift goes, right? If you don't get off here, it's going to either throw you off down that ramp, or it's going to, you're going to keep on going back down the hill. So I got off. I made it, fell down the ramp, got back up. I spent the rest of the night going down that hill, and my buddies all left me again. And my skis came off, and my bindings got ice in them, and I couldn't get my eyes off. And you know, this is my, you, you know what? And you go out there all dressed up because it's going to be hot. You, know, you think it's going to be cold, and you are sweating. I mean, you're sweating because you're trying to get back up and get your skis on so you can go a few more feet, fall down again, and it's all. But now, I can go snow skiing now, and I can get on the chairlift, I can get off chairlift, I can ski just about wherever I want to go. But that first time was a failure. Bad. In fact, I didn't go for a long time. No. I'm not going to do that. But when I finally got back into it and started learning it, hey, there you are. What are you saying, Pastor? I'm saying, look, things start out rough. Don't just give it up. God may be getting you ready for something, but you're not ready to handle that level yet. Just relax where you're at. Let's all stand. Just relax where you're at, okay? Take your time. Don't get frustrated with God when God's trying to work something in your life. Don't get frustrated with God because we can always outgrow the kinds of failings provided that we don't give up. So now I can snow ski anywhere. Why? Because I overcame. Now I can handle it. Now I know what to expect. And God may be calling you into a new area of life. God may be calling you into something that's totally foreign that you've never done before. And you're like, I don't know if I can do this, God. Just relax and let him handle it. Failure is not final. Amen? Well, thank you. You've been a wonderful audience tonight. It's 8.15. You are out of here. I haven't even been speaking 45 minutes. Thank you, Lord, for the fever. Click the switches. Let's see what Sunday brings. You guys better pray fast. Pray fast. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this time together. I pray, God, that you would help each and every one of us realize that failure is not final. And let us realize, God, that the promises that you've made to us are not, I'm going to do this for you, but oh, now there's a pandemic. Oh, now we're on lockdown. Oh, now there's a there's an election coming up. Oh, now the world is crazy. No, Lord, you gave us the promises no matter what the condition of the world. Because, God, you are the master. You are the true master of this universe. You are the King of kings and the Lord of lords, not only of this universe, but, Lord, also of our lives. You are our Savior, our God, and our Lord. So, Lord, I just pray right now in Jesus' name that you would continue to work in every person's life. Lord, touch those here tonight that were able to be here, those who are homesick. I pray for them to raise, that you raise them up, protect them, God, from this nasty cold and virus, we pray. God, keep your hand on those 
God, who are watching via the webcast. We just pray, God, that you would do your will in our lives. Bring us back again Sunday morning, ready to worship and ready to praise. We lift you up and give you all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Give the Lord a praise, a hand clap on your way out of here. Amen.